you know, I, I played in Iron Bowl, played in big games before. Right. I think I'll be all right. How can you not love Jalen Hurts and everything that he represents? Welcome in, back on the edge, everybody, to another episode of On the Edge with Alec Etheridge. Glad to have you on board. And uh, you just heard the comments from Jalen Hurts at the top of the show as he prepares for his first matchup ever against the Texas Longhorns there in the Red River rivalry. And uh, Hurts, a kid that grew up in Texas, has seen this matchup, knows what it's about. Believe it or not, he's still receiving flack for those comments after his post-game press conference against Kansas, uh, looking ahead to this week's matchup with Texas. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. There's not too much to break down from last week, not too many big storylines coming out of the week, uh, but just a couple. So we'll talk. I know we like to stick to the SEC here on this podcast, but we'll break down those comments from Jalen Hurts and the flack that he's receiving uh, pertaining to, to the SEC, obviously talking about the Iron Bowl and what that game means and just really in general the SEC meaning more. But beyond that, this past weekend, obviously the Auburn-Florida game took place. Uh, We'll break that down here in just a minute, recap everything we saw in that one. We'll also look ahead, pick our games against the spread, coming off a pretty strong week, 4-1 and against the spread with that Auburn-Florida game being the only game that I got wrong and kind of expected that. I've been uh, burned by Auburn three weeks in a row now, uh, and that just tends to be uh, my tendency when it comes to picking Auburn. If I pick them, they end up losing. If I don't pick them, they end up winning, and that's kind of gone back a joke between friends and coworkers and myself for a long time now. So we'll talk about that Auburn-Florida game. Florida's got another big matchup this week, a second top 10 matchup in a row as they travel to Baton Rouge and Death Valley for a primetime game there in Death Valley with the LSU Tigers, a big matchup that can cement one of these teams as a legitimate national championship contender. Uh, and it's a big point spread, so we'll break that game down. I tend to lean pretty heavily toward one side of that spread. In that game, uh, some other big news, Alabama will have their first primetime night game. We'll talk a little bit about that just before we do talk about our picks against the spread. But the big news that's happened within the last 24 hours is Auburn losing starting running back Jertavius Booby Whitlow, uh, a kid that has been really their producer on the offensive side of the football for the Tigers, played a big role in the second half, helping Auburn overcome a deficit against uh, Oregon to start the season as they come back and win that game, played a big role against Texas A&M as well. And as he started to get going, this team seemed to be getting a lot more momentum, Uh, and we saw this past weekend when Auburn struggles to run the football, they struggle to win football games, and losing Booby Whitlow is going to be huge for this Auburn football team moving forward. A knee injury, according to Gus Malzahn, he says that he will be out four to six weeks moving forward, so that's going to be big for the Tigers. This is a a running back in Whitlow right now uh, that ranks 17th in the country in total rushing, has 544 yards this season on 110 carries uh, with seven touchdowns as well. Uh, And missing four to six weeks of action, coming out of this bye week, that helps them a little bit 
But then you've got Arkansas, you've got LSU, you've got Ole Miss, and you've got Georgia in those next uh, over the next four weeks after this. So that's a tough stretch. In that stretch includes LSU and Georgia, two top five teams in the standings right now. And if they don't have Whitlow back, it's going to be tough to see them winning because the problem is this Auburn offense, Bo Nix is starting to come along and he did struggle this past Saturday against Florida, but that's because they weren't able to really just insinuate any sort of offensive attack in that game. And there was a lot of pressure on him for being a freshman quarterback. Uh, But moving forward, when you're going up against LSU, when you're going up against Georgia, specifically Georgia, who has one of the best uh, rushing defenses in the country, you're going to have to be able to uh, do some different things, and Whitlow's a, a guy that can help. And that's right on that border. If he's missing four to six weeks, that would be five weeks from now. So you would expect Whitlow to be back for the Alabama game, the Iron Bowl, at the end of the season. But that's a huge blow specifically because that's going to put even more pressure on a freshman quarterback because Whitlow is really the only proven three-down back that this uh, this Auburn offense had. Now, they do have uh, guys like Sean Shivers, and uh, they're going to have some other some other guys ready to roll in uh, to this lineup, including Harold Joyner, a former Mountain Brook Spartan in the Birmingham area. But Joyner hasn't proven anything at this level. He's their next guy, most likely, as a three-down back because of his size, the way he carries himself. But he hasn't proven anything yet uh, to the standard that Whitlow has to this point in the season. So a huge blow for the Auburn Tigers, as Gus Malzahn announced that uh, on Tuesday night ahead of this bye week. So they'll see how they we'll see how they can prepare over the next uh, week and a half going into that Arkansas game. Obviously against Arkansas, they should still be fine without Whitlow, uh, but we're going to have to really see them take a jump on the offensive side of the football with Bo Nix and a few of these other running backs that are going to need to step up as they go into that matchup with number five LSU here in a couple of weeks. And we'll find out a lot more about LSU this Saturday as they do take on the Florida Gators there at home in Death Valley. But like I said, a huge blow for the Auburn Tigers moving forward. And this past weekend, like I said, we we saw what happens when they struggle to move the football, specifically in the running game. That doesn't open up any lanes for the pass. Uh, it just it was all around uh, bad because they didn't have to respect anything, and the Florida defense didn't. And this is a Florida defense that is one of the best in the country, uh, and it showed against that Auburn offense. And Auburn played great defense in that game against Florida. I mean, it was a, a strong defensive performance that kept them in the game for a very long period of time the problem was the defense was on the field and it was a one possession game for a very long time but eventually that Auburn defense was gassed they were exhausted they had been on the field for a ton of that game I mean the uh, time of possession in that game Florida had the ball for 33 minutes 41 seconds and a big reason for that was because Auburn's offense converted just two of 14 on first downs. That's not something that you can do. One, on the road in a tough environment, you've got to keep that crowd lulled. You've got to keep getting first downs, and they just weren't able to do it. But two, that sent the defense right back on the field without being able to convert those first downs. So it was just, it was a struggle. It was a process. 
for Auburn's offense in that game. And the defense was bound to give up a play late because they had been on the field for so long. And that's exactly what happened uh, as they went on to lose that game uh, to the Florida Gators 24-13 to in a top-10 battle. So we'll see how Auburn handles that moving forward. We'll see how Florida handles the success of that win this Saturday. Uh, but going forward, you know, this is a lot of people – have already gotten back on the the let's get rid of Gus Malzahn bandwagon, and it's just I I think it's absurd to be honest with you. The guy's got a freshman quarterback st- starting this year, and he's already beaten two top twenty teams, both of which have been ranked highly uh, this season in Oregon and Texas A and M, and both of those neither one came in their home stadium, so. With this team playing so many difficult difficult opponents this year, one of the toughest schedules in the country, arguably the toughest schedule in the country in several games, they still haven't played one of those big games on their home field. I do still think when it comes to later in the season, depending on Whitlow's health, this is a team that can compete with the likes of Georgia and possibly even Alabama on their home field uh, just by the way that they're coming along this season. I understand that they had a tough day against Florida on Saturday. Bo Nix, a lot was put on him in the passing game. Ended up with three interceptions, just 145 yards passing in that game. Uh, But there was just no resemblance of anything that they wanted to do on the offensive side of the football. That's not going to happen every week. All they have to do is get positive yards on first down if they can do that that sets up the hurt the hurry up offense and they're able to reel off big plays get those first downs moving forward it gives them shorter and manageable third down situations the problem this uh this past week going up against that florida defense that was second or is now leading the country in turnovers gained after gaining four against auburn saturday uh and is also the second best team at getting pressure in the backfield with sacks I mean, it was just going into the game, I said that. I said that this is a tough spot for Auburn. Everybody's thinking they're going to win this football game. But if you look at that Florida defense, it is just as good or better than Auburn's defense. And they're great at stopping the run and getting the pressure in the backfield. And they proved it. It was a great performance by the Florida defense on their home field. And that was a big part of that win over Auburn. And it there's just no reason for Gus Malzahn after one loss to a top 10 team on the road to be back on the hot seat after having already beaten uh, a couple of top 20 teams this year with a freshman quarterback both away from home. So I think Auburn, like I said, they've still got a tough schedule left. They've still got Georgia. They've still got LSU. They've still got Alabama. That's three top five teams remaining on their schedule. They could easily lose all three of those games, finish at eight and four, in the regular season, but with that said, that's still, I mean, that's not a bad year with a freshman quarterback, as long as you're competing in those games and you win the other games that you're supposed to, moving forward, you have to be high on this Auburn offense and the way that they uh, they can build things for the future after this year. Now, if they struggle again moving forward into next year uh, with Gus Malzahn under a second-year quarterback, that's when the discussion can start back up but this year with the most difficult schedule in the country I don't mind the loss to Florida they still have they control their own destiny guys to win the SEC West and I understand 
right now that that looks like a long shot with what we did see this past Saturday, but you just never know with the way that their offense is run. Uh, it gives them a chance to do some things that can cause troubles for uh, the likes of LSU, Alabama, and Georgia, especially with those defenses at LSU and Alabama not being as good as they have been in the past. So not what you wanted to see as an Auburn Tiger fan this past Saturday. Got even worse with the Booby Whitlow injury news on Tuesday night. Luckily a bye week to get the ship right and get back on track. I think we're going to see some positive things happening this week there at Auburn and then a chance to really bounce back with an easy win over Arkansas a week from this coming Saturday uh, before that matchup with LSU. So still, there's plenty of hope left, uh, and we'll see how they handle that LSU matchup, which I think arguably is honestly the biggest game of the season for the Tigers uh, to try to be able to pick up a win in that one. Uh, I think that that could be the big game. Uh, You know, they've had some big ones to this point, but I really do think that LSU game will be the most telling for how Auburn will play against both Georgia and Alabama on their home field. But speaking of the Auburn-Alabama game, the Iron Bowl, something Jalen Hurts has experienced in the past a couple of times. And you heard at the top of the show his comments talking about having played in the Iron Bowl. He's going to be all right playing in the Red River rivalry. And fans of Texas just went up in arms over this and you know honestly it was just absurd to hear and see the hate that has come Jalen Hurts's way and I love it Uh, to me it shows that the SEC means more than anything uh, which we technically already know but to see the reaction from these Big 12 fans from the Texas fans uh, that Hurts thinks the Iron Bowl prepared him for this game uh, they're just so butthurt over it, and it's honestly kind of comedic. It's funny to me to see how upset they've gotten because is he wrong? I mean, he has played in the Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl has played either in Tuscaloosa or in Auburn. He's been in both situations and handled it. He's also played in a national championship game in the college football playoff, the SEC championship. He's been in some big-time games. And this week, he's going up against a Texas defense that is just terrible, ranking around 100th in the country, even worse at stopping the pass with several defensive backs injured and that defensive ba- or def- uh, defensive secondary being sliced up each and every week. And this is a 50-50 split crowd. Now, I've been to the Georgia-Florida game, and it is a great environment. It does get loud in there. But at the same time, I've also been to an Iron Bowl. I was at the kick six, and I've never heard anything as loud as that in my life as an Alabama graduate sitting in the Auburn student section. That's as loud as I've ever heard anything at any point in time uh, in a college football stadium. And Auburn is one of the loudest places I've ever watched a football game as well. So he's played in big atmospheres. He's going into this game. It is going to be a different type of setup for him. But I think, honestly, this is giving him more confidence, having played in the Iron Bowl and, and been there in these big situations in a rivalry game going into this matchup with Texas I think he's honestly calm I think he knows that it's not that big of a deal if you look at him he did grow up in Texas uh, so you have those emotions of this game that being said he has been at Alabama he went to Oklahoma to try to advance his career and possibly make it to the NFL I don't think there's as much of an emotional tie to this game for him 
as there would have been to the Iron Bowl. I think that's going to give him some calmness. He knows he's going up against a Texas defense that he can exploit with his ability to run the football and his improved ability at throwing the football. So I think he has a level of calmness. And honestly, I think that Texas, even some players have come out and said something uh, about his comments and the fact that uh, he's never played in something like this before. Uh, I think that Texas is honestly just looking too much into this. They're it's distracted them too much, in my opinion, compared to Jalen Hurts, who just seems calm every week for some reason. I mean, you hadn't seen that guy show a lick of emotion so far this season. He's all about getting better, all about his team getting better. I think he's going to be extremely calm going into that uh, matchup with number 11 Texas on Saturday. So it'll be interesting to watch and see. That's obviously going to be a storyline. I know that a lot of SEC fans are going to be watching that game specifically for Jalen Hurts. We'll see how he handles that situation. But to be honest with you, I expect him to have a big day as he is one of the front runners for the Heisman Trophy right now. Leads college football, the FBS, in total QBR this season, just ahead of Tua Tungavailoa at Alabama. So Hurts should go in, have a calm, cool, collected day against this Texas defense. I do think we still need to see something from the Oklahoma defense to tell me if they're going to win this football game because I do expect Sam, Sam Ellinger there at Texas to have a big day as well. Uh, that said, this Texas or this Oklahoma offense has been one of the best in the country this year. I expect a big day from them. It could be a lot of fun in that top 11 matchup between those two Big 12 opponents, but the moment won't be too big for Jalen Hurts. And speaking of big moments, the Alabama Crimson Tide will have their first night game of the season a week from Saturday against the Tennessee Volunteers uh, as they get ready for their first night game of the season. And it's been a hot topic around the SEC, obviously. Alabama disappointed having played all of their games to this point in the year during the day. The funny thing is this game is going to kick off at 8 p.m. So the SEC said, if you want a night game, here you go. We're going to kick it off at 8 p.m. That game's going to end close to midnight now. Nonetheless, Bryant-Denny Stadium is going to be rocking. Uh, Alabama gets to show off their LED lights, finally something that they promoted uh, really early in the season, and everybody was extremely excited about. We've obviously seen it since then at other stadiums, but Alabama was one of the first to actually promote it and show that they had that on board. So it's going to be a raucous environment there as the vaunting Tennessee Volunteers uh, come to Bryant-Denny on uh, a week from Saturday. So Alabama, that game won't see a lick of daylight at all. It will start at 8 p.m., almost too funny uh, there for the Crimson Tide. But a night game nonetheless, we'll see how they handle that situation. But obviously this week, a big game, their, their biggest test of the season against the Texas A&M Aggies, a road matchup against a team that's not getting very much respect at all, but this is still a very good Texas A&M defense, and it will be the toughest test Alabama has seen to date. Now, will they get credit for that? Probably not, but at the same time, I don't think this Texas A&M offense is going to keep up with Alabama, but I do think the Aggies defense is going to keep it close for a little while. So we'll talk a little bit more about that game as we do jump in to our picks against the spread. And we do have seven games to pick this week. I'm coming off a pretty strong week 
last week. I'm going to try to just give you the straightforward facts, everything you need to know to make your picks against the spread this uh, this coming weekend. Last week, a 4-1 and one week for me. I missed the Florida-Auburn game, as I expected to do. Uh, but now, overall, this season, 34-21 and 21 picking SEC games against the spread. So we'll see how we fare this week. There are a couple of very difficult games to talk about. The first one that we'll start off with, not one of those games, in my opinion, that's difficult. Now, it could swing uh, in favor of the team that is favored rather largely in this one, but the Vanderbilt Commodores just haven't shown me much this season specifically on the defensive side of the ball to show me uh, that they can win a game by 15 or more points. That's what they're favored by, minus 15 against UNLV this coming Saturday as they do host the running Rebels in that matchup. Both of these teams now sitting at 1-4 and four on the season. Vanderbilt, they're coming off a 31-6 to six loss to Ole Miss this past Saturday, and UNLV off a 38-13 to 13 loss to Boise State. Now, UNLV, their schedule hasn't been crazy difficult, but they have played some of those teams like Wyoming, Boise State, some of those hard-nosed physical teams. So I, I don't think they're quite as bad as their record indicates. Now, they haven't played the likes of Georgia and LSU uh, and Ole Miss like Vanderbilt has. But at the same time, I do think being a 15-point favorite, I haven't seen anything from uh, from Vanderbilt's defense to this point in the season. UNLV, they've lost four straight games, and in those games they failed to score more than 17 points uh, during that stretch and giving up at least 30 in each of those games. That's what's concerning. Vanderbilt's offense has been okay at times, obviously not very good last week against a very poor Ole Miss defense, especially in the secondary, but we have seen some things at times from them offensively. It's been their defense that has been a concern. And when you look at that, I know UNLV struggling offensively, but you expect them to score some points. Uh, Vanderbilt, the way that their offense looked last week, I don't have faith in them being as good as they have been uh, throughout the season. So uh, their lone win this season for the Commodores, a 24-18 to win over Northern Illinois, a game they really should have dominated then too. So I just don't have faith in them being able to dominate anybody at this point in the season, 111th ranked defense in the country, 120th ranked offense in the country. UNLV actually better in both of those categories, 103rd defensively and 96th offensively. So two poor teams, obviously sitting at one and four on the season. Uh, I don't think UNLV is going to win this game, but I think a 14-point game is much more likely than Vanderbilt winning uh, by 15 or more. I do think that UNLV can at least keep this close. It may come down to whether Vanderbilt can pull away with one final touchdown to uh, cover that spread or not. But I'm going to go with UNLV just simply from the standpoint I haven't seen Vanderbilt prove to me yet this year that they can run up the score on anybody. And the fact that they just put up six against that poor Ole Miss defense a week ago, uh, they're really reeling and searching for anything at this point in the season. So I'm going to go UNLV plus the 15 in that game. One of our more difficult games this week, that's going to be Tennessee hosting Mississippi State. And we know that Tennessee's coming off a 43-14 to loss to Georgia. We know that they're 1-4 and overall this season. Uh, while we have a Mississippi State team coming into this game off a bye, but that's a Mississippi State team. They're now 3-2 and on the season, so record-wise they're better but a Mississippi State team that lost 56-23 to 
to Auburn the week before their bye. They have had an extra week to fix some of those mistakes, but to give up 56 points to that Auburn offense that we've seen struggle at times this year, uh, despite their success throughout the season, that's that just shows me this Mississippi State defense isn't playing as good as they need to be. And if you look at Tennessee's schedule to this point in the year, they played Georgia pretty close for a long time last week until the Bulldogs really pulled away in the second half. But when you compare teams that Mississippi State or that Tennessee has played, if you look at that BYU game that went into overtime, I think Mississippi State and BYU are honestly two pretty evenly and uh, fairly matched teams on paper. Um, I just, I really do think that this could be a very close game. I think that Tennessee could have a chance. And this is a game that I've had uh, the most difficult time picking against the spread because how can you trust the Tennessee Volunteers at this point in the season? Everything that's happened on the field, everything that's happened off the field as well. But Tennessee, they've played two of the toughest defenses in the country the last two weeks. They scored just a combined 17 points in those two games against Georgia and Florida. Three against Florida, 14 against Georgia. Uh, Their offense right now, because of that, has taken a hit. They rank 106th in total offense and 50th in total defense. Mississippi State, 81st, a little bit better in total offense, 69th in total defense. It's tough to rely on this Tennessee team. Uh, This game tends to be one-sided, but Mississippi State has really struggled against the spread against non-ranked opponents on the road uh, as of late. So I really, I'm going to lean towards Tennessee, and I've kind of, I'm still confused going into this pick. So if you're actually picking this game, don't necessarily trust my opinion. Uh, This is me going out on a limb. This game and the next game, Kentucky-Arkansas, are the two toughest of the week, in my opinion. But I just, there's something that tells me Tennessee is going to come out in this game, a game that they probably think we've got, we've actually got a chance to win this game after back-to-back difficult games against Florida and Georgia. I think they're going to come out hungry. It's 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, You're not going to really, I just don't have faith in either of these teams pulling away, but specifically Mississippi State coming into Neyland Stadium, which there's probably not going to be a big crowd for an 11 a.m. kickoff uh, in a very big stadium. So it's going to be one of those weird environments. I just don't see a blowout by either side in this game. And I think you're going to see Tennessee come out, try to prove a point, and show that they've benefited from playing those two difficult games in a row. Now, Mississippi State does have the advantage of coming off the bye week, but that being said, I just don't have faith in them being able to pull away uh, from this Tennessee team because, I do, like I said, I compare them to BYU, a team that's very similar in the way that they play football this year. I think that this is going to be a tight game. Tennessee's going to have their chances. Uh, and what concerns me is I think whoever does win this game is going to rent, win by right around seven points, uh, and especially, obviously, if we get into overtime. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this thing unfolds, but I'm going to go Tennessee, the six-and-a-half-point underdog on their home field. I think the Vols are going to really uh, pick up a big win over Mississippi State, a team with a winning record on Saturday. Not 100% confident in that one, so do as you will with that pick, but I, I, it's just tough for me to trust Mississippi State uh, and the inconsistency I've seen from them so far this season. Kentucky-Arkansas going to be another game that's extremely similar. Kentucky sitting as a six-and-a-half-point home favorite 
in this game coming off a of bye week. Last time we saw them, though, they lost 24-7 to to the South Carolina Gamecocks. They're now 2-3 and overall, and they've lost three games in a row. Um, and the last time we really saw any sort of success from the Kentucky Wildcats, that was when they scored 21 against the Florida Gators. Probably should have held on and won that game. That was when Kentucky had quarterback Terry Wilson. He went down late in that game with an injury uh, and has been out. He's out for the year. Uh, and over the last few weeks, this Kentucky team has just struggled against very average defenses to score points against Mississippi State and South Carolina the last two weeks just to combine 20 points, and they have scored no more than 13 in either of those games, scoring 13 uh, in one against Mississippi State and obviously the seven against South Carolina. So they're coming off a bye week. We'll see how that helps them, but so is Arkansas off a bye week, and I think they gained confidence two weeks ago in their loss 31-27 to to Texas A&M. Both of these teams sitting at two and three. Uh, Kentucky's lost three in a row. Arkansas's lost three and three of four. Um, Arkansas this year, though, scored more than 27 points just one time. So do you have any faith in their offense? Their defense has been consistent, consistent the last four weeks, but they've given up 31, 34, 31, and 31. So you have a feeling they're going to give up around that same number of points. That being said, I see this game being much more like what we saw from the Arkansas-Texas A&M game. I see around a four-point game either way. I don't see either team really pulling away for a blowout victory. It is prime time on the SEC Network at Kentucky. Tends to lean toward Kentucky likely winning this game at home, but I just don't see, uh, see them blowing this one out. I expect a close game that's decided by a field goal, four points, somewhere in that range. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas does pull off the upset and picks up that win on the road. I'm going to go Razorbacks plus the six and a half points in this game. And if you just judge it, the the ba- main basis to judge that off of, they're both pretty close when it comes to total defense, 67th for Arkansas, 66th for Kentucky. Uh, but on the offensive side of the football, Arkansas 61st in the country, not great but much better than Kentucky, who is 91st in the country. They've just really struggled since uh, since Terry Wilson went down. Sawyer Smith has stepped in. He's been injured as well. Uh, so there's no telling if they'll be on their third-string quarterback, if they'll still be with Smith, who said he's feeling better after the bye week. There's just too many question marks surrounding that Kentucky offense, so I really do like Arkansas in that game. And that leads us into one of the games that I probably feel most confident about, this week. That's going to be the Missouri Tigers hosting Ole Miss this Saturday. And last week, I nailed the Missouri game. A lot of people expected Troy to play that game close simply because they tend to against SEC teams. They have a former SEC offensive coordinator in Chip Lindsey, but Missouri exploited that Troy uh, passing defense. They ended up winning 42-10. to uh, They've won four games in a row now, and I know it was an ugly loss to Wyoming, 37-31, to to start the season, but they've won four in a row and their defense has played outstanding, giving up 14 or less in every game, while the offense has scored 34 or more in every one of those games. They've scored 30-plus in all uh, all five of their games to this point in the season. They sit as an 11.5-point favorite over the Rebels this week. The way their defense is playing right now, 
I tend to think that that's a very safe bet to go with on their home field uh, in this matchup, a game that is in prime time there at Missouri. Ole Miss obviously coming off a big win, 31-6 to over Vanderbilt. They're 3-3 three and three overall so far this season. A big reason why they've kind of taken that step forward, John Rice Plumley, the quarterback there at Ole Miss, the last two weeks since taking over for Matt Corral, he's run for 100-plus yards in each of those games. One of those against Alabama, normally a pretty tough defense at stopping the run, but dealing with some injuries up front so far this season. The other last week against Vanderbilt, whose defense has just been absolutely terrible, ranking lower than 100th in the country this season. So this is his first test. John Reese Pumley, his first test this week against Missouri, who has the 13th best rushing defense uh, and third overall defense in the country. Like I said, they've given up 14 or less in their four, current four-game winning streak. So this is a Missouri defense that's going to hand uh, Rich Rodriguez, that Ole Miss offense, John Reese Plumley, their toughest test uh, in a while. So we'll see how they're able to handle that on the offensive side of the ball with that difficult Missouri defense. But what I think really tilts this even more in the favor of Missouri is Kelly Bryant and that passing offense of Missouri. Now, Kelly Bryant has flashed signs of great passing ability throughout his uh, last two years at Clemson and now at Missouri. He's really been a running quarterback, though. He's a guy that can really do things with his legs. But last week against that Troy defense, that secondary of Troy that was really struggling going into that game, Kelly Bryant exploited them. He had a, a nice game, 221 yards through the air, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. And that was key because he had turned the ball over through the air throughout the season, but he capitalized against a secondary. He knew he could pass the ball on. Uh, this is an Ole Miss, or I'm sorry, this, yeah, an Ole Miss defense uh, that ranks 119th in the country at stopping the pass. That's worse than Troy. Uh, I really do expect another big game from Bryant in this game. They're at home. The way that their defense is playing football right now, the way that Bryant played against a poor secondary last week, I think he's got confidence going into this one, throwing the football. He can also run the football uh, if they start to respect the pass too much. Uh, that combined with arguably one of the best defenses in the country uh, Ole Miss, they haven't been able to show a resemblance of a pass game. I think Missouri's going to be able to sell out for the run, make Ole Miss try to beat them with the pass. I just don't see a way that Ole Miss is going to score a ton of points in this game. And I think with their poor defense, I think that uh, that Missouri's going to be able to, you know, maybe not put up the points we've seen from them at times this year, but I still think they'll get close to 35 points in this game. I, see, I, I just can't see Ole Miss getting to more than – 20 to be honest with you so uh this one this one's one of my favorite bets of the week uh, I really do have faith in the Missouri uh Missouri Tigers as an 11 and a half point home favorite I think that they're going to win this one pretty big over Ole Miss on Saturday night there in Columbia Missouri so I'm going Tigers minus 11 and a half in that game and that's going to lead us into another interesting matchup Georgia they'll be hosting South Carolina on Saturday night, a uh, South Carolina team that's been up and down this season, dealt with a pretty difficult schedule to this point. But we see Georgia that really in the second half against Tennessee, so against Notre Dame and in the first half against Tennessee, we saw some struggles from that uh, that Georgia team, specifically 
on the offensive side of the ball, offensive side of the football, and occasionally on the defensive side of the football as well. But in that second half against Tennessee, and really in the second half against Notre Dame, played extremely well on both sides of the football. Last week, the 43-14 win over Tennessee on the road. They're 5-0 and on the season with really one of the best all-around teams that we've seen this year because of the way they play defense. They have a very steady offense that's been a little bit above average, really highly above average, ranking in the top 15 in the country. Uh, maybe not as good as we saw last year, but still a very good offense, and the defense is outstanding. Uh, this is a South Carolina team. 24-7 win over Kentucky two weeks ago, now coming off a of bye week. So they gained some momentum in that game, had an extra week of preparation. They're now 2-3 and three overall this season. Uh, the only team, however, that the Gamecocks have scored more than 24 points on, uh, that was against Charleston Southern. So we just haven't seen a lot from the South Carolina offense to this point in the season. Going up against this Georgia defense that's giving up just 10 points per game, 12th best defense in the country overall right now in yards per game. Uh, it's just tough for me to see South Carolina scoring a ton of points in this game. I could honestly see Georgia winning this game somewhere in the range of 28 to nothing, 35 to 10, something along those lines. Uh, you know, scored just 14 against Missouri. I'm sorry, South Carolina scored just 14 against Missouri, lost 34 to 14. That's obviously just a 20-point game there, but Georgia, similar defensively, maybe a little bit better than Missouri's defense this year. I don't see South Carolina getting above that 14-point mark. I see Georgia scoring right around 35. So the point spread is going to be pretty close, but I do like Georgia in something around a 35-10 to 10, uh, victory in this game. Like I said, it could be close for a while, but I really this is going to be a week Jake Fromm steps up, make his makes his presence known uh, against a South Carolina defense giving up 251 passing yards per game. That's 96 in the country. So Georgia, I've said in the past, they need to be – an offense that really focuses on running the football to set up everything. If they can run the football, their offense is successful. I think they'll still do that this week, but I think Jake Fromm's going to have his biggest game of the season on the home field this Saturday against South Carolina. An 11 a.m. kickoff. I hate those kickoffs when it comes to the point spread for a home team, but at the same time, I just think Georgia is that much better than South Carolina. They'll exploit that passing defense, and Fromm will have a big day in what should be a blowout loss. So I'll go Bulldogs 20 minus 24 and a half in that game. So just two more games now and two pretty big ones are two biggest games of the week. We'll start with Texas A&M and Alabama close the show out with the Florida LSU top 10 battle. Uh, but for this Alabama team, like I said, at the top of the show, it marks their toughest game to this point in the year. They're still a 17 point road favorite over a very difficult defensive test for this Alabama football team. But the Crimson Tide coming off a of bye week, last beat Ole Miss 59-31 to uh, to improve to 5-0. and And this offense has just been unbelievable to watch so far this season. One of the best offenses in the country, obviously. Texas A&M, they're also coming off a of bye week. Their last time out, it was kind of ugly to watch. They beat Arkansas 31-27, to a game that they were favored heavily in and probably should have won that by easily double digits. So not a great showing, but they've had a bye week, and Jimbo Fisher in a bye week. He still has a dangerous offense, a good defense. Coming off a bye for a coach like that 
He's going to be able to get this team ready to go against this Alabama team on the home field at 2.30 CBS kick. This game's going to have a lot of hype surrounding it, similar to what we saw in the Auburn game a few weeks ago. But that leads me into this the fact that Auburn should have beaten this team by 15 points. They end up winning 28-20 to 20, thanks to a late touchdown from the Aggies. But Auburn should have beaten this team by close to the 17 Alabama's favored by. Arkansas almost beat this team, and I understand it was on a neutral field. Still a game in Texas and Dallas, though. Uh, those two teams, with Arkansas almost beating Texas A&M, Auburn really playing extremely well, handling Texas A&M for the majority of their game. It's tough for me to see uh, Texas A&M keeping this as close as a 17-point spread. Now, Alabama's been favored by more than that, really, in every game to this point in the season. That said, this Texas A&M defense is extremely good, 21st overall in the country. Most importantly, however, they're 31st at stopping the pass, and that's what you have to be good at in order to beat Alabama. Now, they haven't faced a passing attack like Alabama's going to show you on Saturday, uh, so we'll see how that how they handle that. But this Alabama offense is playing extremely well right now, scoring 51.8 points per game. Uh, the defense may be tested, but it's still a better defense than people give it credit for. Give them credit for. They're 13th overall in the country, and a lot of the points that Alabama has given up uh, so far this season against South Carolina, they gave up 24. Uh, or I'm sorry, the closest games they've had to this point in the season against South Carolina, against Ole Miss, they beat South Carolina by 24. They beat Ole Miss by 28. A lot of the points in both of those games came in the final minute. South Carolina scored a touchdown very late in their game. Ole Miss scored a lot of a lot of points late in that game uh, a couple weeks ago. So Alabama's defense has played well. Then when you get into the reserves really late in the matchup, uh, it's, a, it's a defense that's given up some points. But I just – this Texas A&M offense, they struggled. They haven't – I haven't seen a very well-called game plan for the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they rank 67th overall in the country. And I know Alabama's defense has a lot of question marks with so many young players stepping up, having to step up and play big minutes this year with the injuries. That said, this Texas A&M offense, I just don't have a lot of faith in them right now. Alabama's offense, one of the best in the country. They may struggle out of the gate just a little bit because of the road environment, because of uh, the Texas A&M defense, but eventually – I mean, I could even see this being a 24 to nothing, 17, uh, a 21 to nothing, somewhere in that range. I could see Texas A&M scoring around 10 points, but I don't. I just don't see them scoring a ton of points in this game. I still see Alabama, even against this defense, getting into the 30s. Uh, so I, I do think that I will lean toward Alabama minus the 17 uh, uh, on the road in that matchup. So a heavy road favorite. But I just think it's tough to go against Alabama the way that they're playing on the offensive side of the football and the struggles that we've seen from Texas A&M uh, offensively themselves. I don't think they'll keep up. I think Alabama will be up by uh, by 14, up or by around 10. They'll score a touchdown. They'll be able to cover that 17-point spread uh, on Saturday in College Station. That leads us into Death Valley primetime Saturday night, the biggest game of the week. And how CBS didn't pick this one up, I'll never know. Uh, interesting decision there. But a top 10 battle between Florida and LSU 
and we've got LSU as a 13 and a half point favorite in a top 10 battle. It's Death Valley, it's at home, it's prime time. So deservedly so. I mean, that's a it's a heavy favorite, a heavy point spread in favor of the Tigers. Uh, but to this point in the season, they've had one of the best offenses in the country, and they have that big home field advantage. So uh, every right to be a heavy favorite, but I just think 13 and a half against this Florida defense that is so talented and athletic is a heavy spot uh, if you're looking at that point spread. We obviously saw the Gators this past Saturday, the top 10 battle against Auburn. They win that one 24 to 13. They're 6-0 on the season. This defense has yet to give up more than 21 points in a game and has given up 13 or less in four of their six games, three or less uh, in three games, and they've posted two shutouts as well. So this is an extremely good Florida defense. Uh, They lead the country in interceptions. They have 12 interceptions this season. Also have recovered five fumbles as they lead the country in turnovers gained this season as well. So uh, the defense overall third in the country uh, in sacks as well, 26 sacks for 164 yards. So those are some major categories when you look at judging a defense that Florida is either leading uh, or right around the top in those categories. So this defense is for real. We saw it last week against Auburn. Auburn struggled to find any sort of consistency on the offensive side of the ball, just two of 14 on third downs in that game as well. And this LSU offense has been the talk of the town. You know that Todd Grantham, the defensive coordinator at Florida, is going to have a game plan. You know this Florida defense is very hungry to go in and shut down what has been a talented LSU offense to this point in the season. Coming off a 42-6 win over Utah State this past Saturday, they've now scored 42 or more in every game with two in the 60s and one in the 50s. So, Uh, a team that's scoring 50-plus points per game. Uh, They also put up 45 on the road in a victory against Texas in one top-10 battle earlier this season. They only won that game, game, however, by a final score of uh, 45-38, to so a seven-point win in that one. It was on the road, so a big road uh, victory. That's the good thing. Both of these teams have been battle-tested in top-10 games to this point in the season. And while the Florida, a lot of people will say that Florida's offense has been the struggle this point, uh, has struggled to this point in the season. And I tend to agree. They haven't passed the eye test. They haven't looked like a very uh, talented offense uh, so far this year, but they're still an offense that ranks 19th in the country. They've done what they've needed to do to win football games. Uh, And going up against this LSU uh, LSU team that is, they haven't been as good defensively as they normally are. Uh, I really do think that Florida is going to be able to have a fairly strong day on the offensive side of the football and keep up with LSU's offense in this game, specifically because the Gators' defense is going to make life difficult for LSU's offense. And while it is the uh, the eighth-ranked offense in the country, uh, scoring 54.6 points per game, they lead the country in that category, they haven't played anybody with a defense that ranks higher than 90th in the country so far this season. So this is going to be LSU's toughest test offensively. I know the newly found offense where they have a lot of the RPO, where Joey Burrow is really doing some things differently this year. It's been unbelievable to watch what they've done to this point in the season, specifically when you look back at what we've seen 
in past LSU teams over the past decade under Les Miles and in the first couple years under Ed Orgeron. But this year, the offense has been reinvented. It's been impressive to watch. Uh, that said, they just really haven't been tested against a very good defense to this point in the season, and they're finally going to face that test. And now, if Florida was a team that was just a big team that uh, got after you physically, you know, I may think a little bit differently. I would think that LSU has a chance to beat you with its speed and athleticism because that's why this LSU offense has been so talented. It's been the speed. It's been the athleticism. Florida's not only big and physical. They're extremely fast, and they're extremely athletic. It's one of the more athletic defenses in the country. That's why they're able to get all these turnovers and make big plays on the football. And I think that they're going to be just fine going up against this athletic and and speedy LSU offense. Now, the question is, how are they going to handle coming off such a physical battle uh, this past week against Auburn while you have LSU coming off of a game against Utah State? So I do think that that tends to lean in the favor of LSU. LSU is at home. Death Valley primetime, a night game there for the Tigers. They're going to win this football game. I feel confident that they win this football game, but I think this is going to be a very close team, a very close game. I think that Florida's defense is going to do more than enough to keep them in the game, and I think LSU's defense is going to allow Florida's offense to stay uh, in the game as well. So everything tends to lean toward Florida being close in this matchup. I see around a 7-10 to 10 point game. Uh, and Max, I, I just I don't see LSU winning by 14 or more in this game. A very physical, tough Florida defense. Their toughest test of the season so far for LSU. I just can't see Florida, uh, or I'm sorry, LSU pulling away in this matchup. I do think that home field advantage is going to give them a big boost. I do think they win the game. But 13 and a half is too many for me, so I'm going with the Gators plus the 13 and a half in that game. It should be a thrilling matchup there in Death Valley between those two top 10 teams. So with that top 10 battle highlighting the night, seven games overall taking place this Saturday, including a big game between Alabama and Texas A&M and several others that I think should be compelling matchups. It's going to be an exciting week of SEC football. Also, that primetime uh, or that early game, I'm sorry, 11 a.m. kickoff between Oklahoma and Texas as we see Jalen Hurts and whether he can back up his talk as well. It's going to be an exciting day of college football this Saturday with several big matchups really throughout the day from 11 throughout the uh, 11 in the morning up until late in the night. So we'll have a lot of fun this Saturday. We'll recap it all on next week's show. Look ahead to another exciting week of SEC action. Seven more SEC versus SEC games next Saturday. Uh, None are ranked versus ranked matchups, but still some compelling matchups in that week. And then the week after that, another big battle is Auburn will take on LSU. So we've got an exciting couple weeks of SEC football coming up. I can't wait to dive into it all uh, and see what all takes place over the next few weeks. I'm sure there's going to be some compelling storylines between now and next week's show. We'll talk about all of that early on next week's episode, and then break down everything we saw from several big games uh, this Saturday before we jump back in and look ahead to another exciting week of SEC action uh, a week from this coming Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you all enjoy your Saturday watching SEC football. I'll see you next week and hope you live your life on the edge. Until then, I'm Alec Etheridge.